If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Deborah Poneman. Hi, Deborah. Hi, dear. So happy to be here. Excited to have you. For over four decades, Deborah Poneman, best-selling author, award-winning speaker, and founder of Yes to Success and Ageless Seminars, which I have participated in, has shared her system used by hundreds of thousands of people around the world to live not only success and abundance, but deep happiness, profound inner fulfillment, and ageless radiance. Deborah's clients have used her formulas to become mega successful entrepreneurs, renowned transformational leaders, New York Times bestselling authors, millionaires, billionaires, even household names. She's got many, many corporate clients, including Mattel Toys, Xerox, McDonnell Douglas, ooh, Air, Space and Airborne Systems. Enterprise Bank, and many others. Deborah has appeared in print throughout the country and on TV networks, including ABC, NBC, Fox, and CNN, and including Coast to Coast, Good Morning New England, Chicago Today, and Mid Morning LA. Deborah is also the proud mother of two adult children and feels her greatest accomplishment is not that she helps so many people live the life of their dreams, but she's helped them discover the greatness that they truly are. Welcome, Deborah. Yeah, I do have those two adult kids. I really like them. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And did you like them growing up when they were little too? Yeah, well, I actually always did. And <laughs> and you know, when, when people have babies, they think it just can't even get better. They start to talk, they start to walk, they they say mama and dada, and and then they're so cute, and then they go off to school. And it's like you love them so much, you think you can't love them anymore. And my kids are now 32 and 35, and I love them more than ever. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so there's hope for me. My kids are <laughs> How old are they? They're eight and 11. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the teenage years, I think that everybody, and let's say you have perfect children. Um, <laughs> I think everybody, <laughs> of course, you know, I, I don't want to create it in people's minds that they're going to struggle in their teenage years. Of course. It's, it's all life lessons. And the kids that are being born now and in the past 30, 40 years, they're all here to be our teachers. So if we look at it that way, that, okay, what is this situation uh, here to teach me? And um, and also the other thing that I learned, I know this interview isn't about raising kids, but the other thing that, I, that I learned that really works is 
to be invited to give them advice because my kids mm -hmm. come to me for advice all the time now because there is a time where I gave it uninvited and then they not only didn't use it, but they didn't want, they didn't want it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want me like interfering. And then when I would just say to them, you know, I know that you can figure that out. I know you have everything you need to figure that out instead of imposing what I think they always do. And then they start coming to me for advice. But oh. um, yeah, anyway, I could talk about kids forever, <laughs> but it's, you know, <laughs> let them make their mistakes. I mean, don't uh -huh. let them, you know, jump off a bridge because they, without a bungee cord, because they, their other friends are doing it. But <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, um, although I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but with the bungee cord. Yeah, but, of course. Right. The bungee cord. But, but I think that, um, I mean, now my son is, he's actually in the jungle in, um, on a retreat right now. He, he is, uh, into plant medicine and he's on a retreat at one week, uh, retreat and my birthday is in a couple days but before he left for the jungle he said mom I'm going to be in the jungle and I'm going to think about you and I'm going to pray about you but I won't be able to call you on your birthday so I'm just calling you right now to tell you that I love you and happy birthday so you know it's pretty good oh <laughs> getting teary-eyed and I know you are too that is so special what an amazing son you raised child uh, incredible yeah. wow and, and and daughter and as you know I also have many kids who call me mom who've lived with us anywhere from a week to moving in at the age of 15 and still my son at 32 so I got a lot 31 he, no Kiwan is 33, actually 33. Mm. Oh, so good I got a lot of kids, but again, that's a different, that'll be. Different. Oh, got it. Well, I didn't know that, you know, th but that's so sweet that you thought that I did know that, <laughs> that I know you that well, <laughs> that I you're a mom. Aren't we best friends? <laughs> of course. Of course. Yes. And, and I can only imagine that you are a mother to so many, uh, like incredible. Wow. That is so loving that you came in. And, and what did your kids think of that? When, when you brought them in, did they ask you? No, no. Well, here's the story. So my son um, is in the basketball world. And okay. I don't know if you know this, but when he was 15, he started a, a nonprofit where he no. would put on basketball showcases to um, help kids in the inner city of Chicago, uh, high school kids get college coach, uh, get college scholarships because division one kids like Derek Rose, you know, he didn't really need Daniel. Well, then again, Anthony Davis, Daniel discovered Anthony Davis, but um, you know, who, who is a star of the Lakers, but one of the stars of the Lakers, but he would go into the inner city and he would make videos also. And he would send them out to college coaches, but mostly of division two kids because it was harder for them to get looks and it was harder for them to get scholarships. And then he started his showcases. He's, he's actually generated over $70 million in college scholarships for kids in in yeah in in Chicago but um sometimes he'd go into the city to film some kid that he'd hear about and mm -hmm. he'd find out that the kid is like living on the street or living on the L train oh. living on the and and um and I'd say okay bring him home and <laughs> then I would 
you know, see what his home situation is. Is there a place oh. where they live? Um, and when kids are in high school, it's very hard to find. You think that there are um, uh, safety nets, but there aren't. And mm -hmm. you could put them into the foster system, but that is just, it's just unbearable. And, and um, so they would end up living with us. So it's not that I brought them into the house. It was that it was Daniel who brought them into the house. And, and we had a big house. We lived in a very nice big house in Evanston, Illinois. And, and, um, and like I say, some kids just stayed overnight and then I found a place for them and some kids stayed all through high school. So, and they're still my sons. As a matter of fact, my birthday party is, we're going to have a birthday party on Saturday and it's all of them. And now mostly they all have kids. So oh, you get to be Grammy. I get to be Grammy and we have such fun parties. So yeah, oh. so it's oh, great. Wow. That's so amazing. So I know you have a course called yes to success. Did your son take that course or was, did he just innately have this amazing, successful, like giving quality about it? Well, I think that the kids come in with their own, um, agenda. And mm -hmm. I think that, but I also think that, that my belief is that they choose their parents before they pop in and they choose their parents to be teachers to their parents. Mm -hmm. So we learn what we need to learn through our kids and, and, um, but also they choose the parents that they could learn from for the next steps of their own personal growth. Mm. But um, I'll tell you a story. It's this kind of sounds like I'm bragging a little bit, but I'll oh. tell you a really <laughs> important story for, for parents. Okay. You know, I do teach yes to success. And for years, I would have small group mentoring, like six to eight women, and they would be with me for, for six months or a year, and we would go on retreats. I don't do it anymore. But um, I do take groups to India, but not like mentoring program. So um, one time, one of our retreats was in Chicago. So I invited my son to uh, uh, meet my, I think it was eight women have lunch with us. Mm -hmm. And they are, you know, asking him all kinds of questions about his life and this and this. And one of the women said to him, so Daniel, the reason you're so incredible was your mother always, you know, teaching you yes to success principles and quoting yeah. you from Napoleon Hill and Wallace Waddles and Florence Goldbushin. And he when he said, was in the womb, right? right. <laughs> Napoleon you know Hill. He said? he said, honestly, I, and he was in his twenties and he said, I've never heard of any of those names that you just quoted to me. And I, my parents because he had a fabulous father. We're divorced now, but one of the best human beings on the planet. He said, mm -hmm. um, and no, they never quoted success principles um, to me. He said, but I learned what I learned mm -hmm. from watching how they live their lives. And the reason why that's such an important thing, it's like, you know, your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. And I think it's especially true for parents and children. But parents and children, parents could be godparents. You know, parents could be aunties and grandmas and caretakers. And, and you know, we tell them, you know, do this, do this, be this way, be this way. But are we being that way? 
Mm. And um, these kids are so high right now. They can smell inauthenticity a mile away. My kids would bust me on it. They go, I mean, they would, they would catch me, you know, and, um, and I would listen. I wouldn't be, I'd try not to be defensive. And then usually when I went inside, I would see that they were right. But anyway, I think that it's a really important thing. And I think it's an important thing with our students too, mm. because there are a lot of transformational leaders out there that they say one thing from the stage and then their lives look different. And years ago, when I started Yes to Success in 1981, I saw that all the time. And, um, yeah. but we could get away with it because our lives weren't as visible, you know, yes. with social media and, and Zoom and this and this. And, but these days, uh, people have an inauthenticity, um, they have radar and they don't want to be learning from teachers who don't, are not the teachers who live their teaching. Mm, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Well, it's 14 minutes into our interview and I've cried <laughs> twice, laughed maybe <laughs> 18 times. No, I haven't counted how many times I've laughed. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love what your son said about you. And, and it's such wonderful advice um, to be models for our kids. And I will take that to heart. Well, I just loved interviewing you and a lot of your colleagues for at the Global Oneness Summit for Humanities Team. And your energy and your vibrancy just made me want to connect deeper and interview you for my shows and success. So yeah, and I know you're incredibly busy. I mean, where did you just get back from? What have you been up to? Well, this last four days, I was in New Orleans at a meeting of the Transformational Leadership Council, which is a uh, it's a group that Jack Canfield started. We actually had our 20th anniversary. Oh, but, congratulations. Yeah, it was great. And, and Jack started it 20 years ago, and it's a lot of, you know, it's about 120 transformational leaders from all over the world and we meet twice a year and it was um oh it was incredible i mean jj virgin uh, did an incredible presentation on health so did dr dale um dr david perlmutter i mean we have fabulous fabulous members but the most beautiful thing about it is that you know talk about authenticity it's like one of the criteria to be in that group it doesn't really matter how many dollars you're making, but it's, you know, how do you touch people's lives on a really, really mm. deep, profound level? And you take somebody like David Perlmutter. Yes, he's a brilliant doctor. He's, you know, brilliant teaching about natural health all over the world. So world renowned and hysterically funny, great musician, but teaches from his heart. He really cares, you know? And so that's where I was the last four days. And before that, you were, are you really interested? I was at a yes. meditation course in, in Fairfield, Iowa uh, at Maharishi International University. And we had a 
two-week course where we there are 2,000 of us, uh, and then a sister course going on in India with 10,000, where we meditated to create the energy of, of world peace. Um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, uh, they, they did research on this over the years, what's called the Maharishi effect, that when groups meditate together, that the ripple effect goes out and affects every corner of, of the world with that silence. Mm. And um, so we had one going on in India and one going on in Fairfield. And again, the statistics are showing that crime rate has gone down and an accident rate and, and um, you know, prosperity goes up. But this is not just us saying it. This is based on scientific research. So whenever there's mm -hmm. an opportunity to go there, I actually, that's where my kids were born. So I... Oh. Um, yeah, so I graduated from Maharishi International University. That's where I got my college degree in 1977. Much to my parents' dismay after having gone to Washington University in St. Louis for three years, I transferred to MIU and got my degree from MIU. But anyway, so, um, and I don't even know where I was before that, but what That's I- okay. That's well, enough. Yes. <laughs> That's very now cool. I'm in Chicago and next week I'm going to Orlando and then I'm taking a group to India for the month of March. So. Mm, wow. You've got some exciting adventures to come. So yeah. you were talking about meditation and, you know, I mean, your eyes, like sometimes you can tell when people meditate a lot, there's this shine and this gloss, and I see that in you, uh, that you're just glowing from the inside out. And, and you know, so it's just, it felt so selfless what you were doing for peace. Well, you know, I really honestly believe that a practice that creates inner silence is the basis to success. You know, the name of my company is Yes to Success, and people yes. think- I'm so glad you're talking about this because I was going to ask you that, how meditation can help us be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, I became a meditation teacher and I, I went to teacher training in 1971 and I am going to have my 72nd birthday this week. Oh. <laughs> but I became a meditation teacher. Oh, that's interesting. In 1971 or not. Actually, I, I left. Um, I actually became a teacher in 72 and I'm going to be 72. And so that was over 50 years ago. And what I uh, noticed was that when I started teaching the principles of creating outer success, which are mm -hmm. all energetic uh, principles, and I'll share some of them. Um, okay. Okay. But I do believe that using even the energetic principles to create success, but certainly trying to create success without energetic principles, it's like trying to build a building without a foundation. Mm. So I always say to people, first start a meditation practice. You know, the mm. ones that I love are either transcendental meditation or currently I'm, um, I'm a proponent of that and also the meditation that's taught through the art of living foundation. Okay. They are scientific. Is that Vipassana? No, 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 no. Oh, that's, that's a different also, one. Okay. They're, they're both mantra meditations based oh, okay. on 
5,000-year-old Vedic tradition. We teach that in, in the same way it's been taught for 5,000 years. But people are, oh, mantra meditation, that's so basic. No, it's not. Yeah, it's basic. It is the basis because these mm. mantras, your vibration. And what the mantras do is they bring the mind in where people, oh, I can't settle down my mind. I can't do Vipassana. Mm. No, with, with this, you don't have to settle down your mind because it settles you. <laughs> And uh -huh, the, scientific, the scientific research is overwhelming that it not only opens the heart, causes the brain to be more coherent. You start getting more done with less effort. You mm. start being able to think more clearly. Your memory is clear. Um, you recover more quickly from trauma because your nervous system starts uh, functioning differently in a more settled, calm, peaceful mm. way. And it's because it's not just that you receive a mantra, but you're taught how to use it properly. So I believe, and there are other wonderful types of meditation, but those are the ones that I'm a proponent of. But once you create that inner silence, then you can go ahead and build your foundation of success. Mm. And on that platform. So I've been meditating regularly. I probably haven't missed a day um, since I started in 1970. Where are we now? So that's what, 54 years. And I actually kind of look at people and I think, how do you do it without meditation? <laughs> how do you do it, especially in this world that is so stressful? How do you do it without a meditation that's been scientifically proven to release stress, to bring you, to bring you into that silence? So, but based on that, then there are ways that you can create outer success. But guess what? When you have the inner silence, if the outer success crumbles, if your business goes bankrupt, if your book does not reach bestseller status, if you, all of those things could happen, they're realities, but you never lose you because mm. you are that inner silence. It's not that you have that inner silence, you are that inner silence. So it doesn't shake you. It's like, okay, so I wasn't supposed to have a bestseller book and it's not an intellectual thing. It is just... It's like Maurice used to say, it's like a line on water. It's like you experience the pain, but you know, line on water, then the water just returns. Mm. So before we have these techniques, it's like a line on stone. Well, I'll ask you, have you ever had a, a, a situation that was like so painful? And then every time you thought about it, you relived it with the, it, the same amount of pain. Yes right? Mm -hmm. So that's when, and we all have, and, um, and I have, but that's when the nervous system isn't as flexible. But the more you meditate, you rid yourself of the stress, the fatigue, the impressions, we call them in Sanskrit, samskaras. Then what happens is that a situation like that happens. And instead of being like a line on stone, it's like a line on water. You experience it, but it doesn't keep overshadowing your life for days, weeks, years, or your entire lifetime. You could think back on that situation and you remember it. It wasn't like pleasant. But it doesn't, you don't relive it. You don't feel the contraction. Mm. So, um, yeah. So basically, I think that that is the basis to true success. But I'll give you a couple others. Should I give you some other? Yeah. Questions? So you're going to talk, you're going to talk about, uh, well, well, I was going to ask you if you have meditations, like, do you sell meditations or, um, or maybe at a later time, you could provide links just to help our audience of uh, the best 
resources, how, how to start, you know, the chanting, I'm really interested in what you're, you said about the chanting, because, you know, I do guided meditation and I'll do the Vipassana where I'm feeling the body, but I'm really interested in exploring that. But yes, I do want to get to the energetic principles. Yeah. And I'll just tell you one thing. I, I teach guided meditations. Anybody who's taken my Yes to Success seminar, I teach breath techniques. You know, I teach alternate nostril breathing called Nadi Shodhana. I teach something called straw breath, um, okay. and, and which maybe I could even teach people. But, um, but guided meditations, which are so lovely, I teach them myself. But um, it's what I say that the, that the if you really want to go for the gold learn a technique where you use your mantra and next thing you know you are are in that unbounded silence and the other thing about being in the unbounded silence it's like it creates a fertile field for your ideas to grow so you know, if you don't have that inner silence and you have an idea, it's like planting a seed in rocky soil. But when you have that inner silence and then you have your ideas, you're planting that seed in the most fertile ground. So that's why I say transcending type of meditation. And then when you do guided meditations or you do visualizations, you're planting them in fertile soil. And speaking mm. of planting seeds, I want to tell people, people say, well, you know, how did you get the idea to start Yes to Success? Well, yeah. the thing that I want to tell people is um, what I did was I was teaching meditation. And then one day when I was about to reach the big 3-0, I realized that woman does not live by mantra alone and I needed to make some money because I was working for a nonprofit. So I thought, okay, I, and I was living in a meditation community. I thought, okay, where do people go and what do they do to make money? And I thought, oh, they sell, <laughs> they sell investments and they do it in California. So I moved from Fairfield, Iowa to LA and um, I started selling investments. My friend in an investment brokerage firm, I was a dismal failure, but I don't think there's anything um, that really failure is just uh, in whose eyes experience, I, you know, and I, yes, I learned so much from doing that, including I yeah. never want to sell investments. But yeah, so check these, it off. And also, um, often we think we're doing something for one reason, but the creator, God, spirit has another reason. And I think that the reason was that I was in the middle of uh, working for this financial company. And one day, one of the uh, other account executives invited me to a um, meeting at the uh, Learning Annex in LA. And this was 1980. Mm -hmm. And um and I, I thought it was going to be, it was on money and I thought it was going to help me be better at selling investments. And when I walked in, it was, uh, it was the new age crowd. And the guy was talking about the law of attraction. And this was 1980, like decades before the secret kind of made it a household. Yeah. But what he was that saying, was gold. Yeah, that was so gold. And again, you know, I thought I was going for one reason, but creator had a different reason. And um, the, the guy was saying that, um, we are all vibratory beings. And he said, just like a tuning fork, if a tuning fork is vibrating at an F sharp and a B flat comes towards it, it repels the B flat. 
but it will be in harmony with the F sharp. And he said, when we're always talking about how poor we are, we'll never get out of mm-hmm. doubt. We'll never find our soulmate. We'll never be successful. There's so many other people who have podcasts. There's so many other people who've written books on leadership. You know, my mother told me I'm a loser. And when you're vibrating like that, and then the success starts to try to come towards you, you repel it. So what he said was that you have to um, use the power of your mind to visualize and to see and thus vibrate with what you do want your life to look like. And if you want to have a best-selling book, see yourself on the uh, Amazon or the New York Times best bestseller list and really imbibe that. Visualize yourself speaking in front of big groups. Visualize yourself, you know, being held by the love of your life. And then, and, and don't speak words that contradict that vibration that you're trying to create. And, um, and what I say to people is, you know, when you visualize in the morning yourself, maybe being a best-selling author or or, you know, your um, online business exploding, whatever it is. And not only are you putting your visualization out to the universe, um, I say you're putting your order into God that this is what you want. But instead of getting up, oh, today I have this meeting and and I have to go to lunch with so-and-so, I don't even like so-and-so. And, you you know, you start out your day or watching, looking at the news, you know, picking up your phone and like, okay, you know, what's the news today? And then you start in that low vibration when you visualize what you want you uplift your vibration and then you're in harmony vibratorily with everything you want in your life not just that specific thing that you visualized mm. and then like the other- maybe your destiny yes exactly right you are in harmony you are clearing the path vibratorily to all of those dreams, you're paving the way, the yellow brick road to your dreams. And when you see them, it clears the obstacles. But also just when you're vibrating at that high vibration, then the people, places, things, coincidence, serendipitous situations can are vibrating at the same vibration that you're vibrating. And then they could come in instead of repelling them by, oh, I'll never do this. I'll never get out of debt. Uh, uh, uh. I don't even know what people say because my friends don't do that. So I don't know what people say. You right. know, oh yeah, well, my mother had, you know, this, so I'm probably going to have it too. You know, people even say that about Alzheimer's. I'm like, stop it. First of all, less than 5% of Alzheimer's is hereditary. So why would you even think that? But in the meantime, there are lifestyle changes that you could adopt so that you, you know, don't give in to that propensity, that 5%, but whatever. So And here's the thing, when you have an idea, your idea is a gift from the creator. It comes to you because it wants to be manifested through you, right? I mean, when you have an idea, I want to uh, write a book on uh, traveling to places where there is snow. I'm looking out the window, I see snows. (laughs) Traveling to the best places in the world where there's snow. I won't read it. But if that's a book that you want, I don't like snow, but if that's the book that you, that you want to write, I didn't have the idea to write that book. You did. And that was a gift from the creator because I believe that the creator looks down and thinks, okay, who would be good at this Zen teaching Zen success? (laughs) Who would be good at writing a book on leadership? Who would be good 
um, you know, our friends started Humanities Team. Who would mm -hmm. be good to start? You yeah, know, Steve Farrell. Humanities Team, right? Right. And the idea comes to you because God, the creator, the God of your understanding, thinks you'd be the perfect person. But if you don't take action in that direction, then God needs it manifested at this time in creation. And God's just going to give that idea to somebody else. I mean, how many of you listening have had a great idea and you didn't do anything about it? And then a year later, somebody did and they became very successful with your idea. Maybe they wrote the book that you were going to write, but you didn't do it and God needed it written. So anyway, so an idea comes to you as a gift. So accept that gift. And, you know, and but then there are so many other things that people do that hold them back from success. One of the things that I tell people is when you have that dream, don't go around telling people what you're going to do before you've taken steps to manifest that mm. dream. Because I, I like that. I really resonate with that. Because you know what's going to happen. One of two things. One is you're going to bump up against the discouragement committee who's going to yes. tell you all the ideas why your idea will not work like a tiny seed that could be easily crushed before it even get a chance gets a chance to sprout. That's the death of your idea. But the other thing that can happen is that people can, oh, wow, you're the best person. That's such a great idea. I could see you doing that. And you're like, yeah, I am. But you've already gotten the accolades and you've let the steam <laughs> out of the kettle, right? You got to, you know, if you keep leaving this, letting the steam out of the kettle, it's not going to, you know, burst forth with the, you know, the, that whistle thing. Yes. What you want to do is you want to hold that dream safe and warm inside. Even if your friends are, what are you up to? You got to tell me, you got to tell me. There's an expression, what is sacred must be kept secret. Sacred mm. and secret come from the same, um, the same root. And okay. so you keep your sacred ideas secret until you've taken enough steps towards the manifestation of them that even if the um, discouragement committee tells you why it won't work, when I started my company, Yes to Success, mm -hmm. I had learned this from the great masters. It's what Napoleon Hill teaches. It's what okay. teaches. It's what's what Florence Goldbushin and Catherine Ponder teach and Emmett Fox and all the great masters of success and prosperity. Don't tell people what you're going to do until you've taken steps towards doing it. So I learned that. And um, I didn't tell anybody that I was working on this company called Yes to Success until it was time for me to put up the posters for my first introductory presentation. It was a lot of months because I was, it was too precious to me to let the discouragement committee discourage me. And what's so interesting is that um, I rented a room at the Santa Monica Public Library. And by the way, I was broke. I drove a beat up old Chevy Bel Air that my aunt had left me when she died. It was a 10 year old dented old thing. And I mean, some cars are fine 10 years in. This was not. <laughs> and and um, I put up the posters and the first person said, oh, yeah, like you're going to broke. You are going to teach people <laughs> how to be successful. Good thing you already started. But I had already rented the room and put up the posters. Yeah. Right? So take a step from which there's no turning back. Yeah. And uh, that's what I did. And and then when the discouragement committee said, you know, who basically who's going to listen to you? I even had one friend say, oh, my God, that's such a great idea. 
you know, teaching all these principles of success, you know, would really be doing good at doing that is, and she named the name of another friend of ours, but I already had the posters up and guess what? When I walked into that room at the Santa Monica Public Library and then other people said, oh, who's going to believe an idea like your thoughts create your reality? And when I walked <laughs> into the room at the Santa Monica Public Library, there was standing room only. And within a few short years, my seminars are being taught all over the world. I had um, nine countries. I had uh, reps teaching in nine countries and that was decades before the internet made international communication instantaneous that was phones that attached to the wall with curly cords yes um right and fax machines weren't even invented back in 1980 oh interesting but it was all phones that when you call people you could hardly hear them but and i created this worldwide empire you want to know why because god gave me that idea and i wanted to do his her work on earth and that was what I was given to do the, the work on earth. And I wanted to do a good job. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, what's incredible is that you had success right away. I mean, with the idea, and then you had standing room only. I'm not saying maybe it took you, okay, like a few more months before the money started rolling in or a few days. <laughs> no, I did have standing room only. Yeah. Um, and I also subsequently had what I call secret meetings, you know, where I put up posters in other places and yeah, nobody showed up or a handful of people showed up. Yeah. Do you know? So, um, but you don't get discouraged. Yeah, of course. Um, you no, know, it's like a setback, you know, was a setup for a comeback. So I had yeah. some setbacks and you know what? I learned this. Um, my friend, Barbara D'Angelo said something really beautiful. Once I was at an event in um, Vail and she was one of the speakers and John Gray, who was her husband, but then they were divorced. And okay. Interesting. Remember she, you know, he's Mars and Venus. Yes. And she, yes. He did making love work together with him. And then when they got divorced, she took that and, you know, she's a marvelous teacher and John gave a, a presentation. They weren't together, but John gave a presentation and he's a really good salesperson. And when he was done, everyone ran to the back of the room and yeah. actually the room was outdoors like a field oh, People okay. were in line to sign up. And um, then later on that day in the, in the late afternoon, Barbara gave a presentation and there were maybe 10 people who went back and, and signed up for her program of that. And I said to her, I said, okay, how did that make you feel when John had like, God knows how many people sign up? Yeah, for hundreds, program? right? You had maybe eight or 10. And she looks at me like, she said, how did it make me feel? overflowing with joy that 10 people found their teacher. Wow. That's profound. And it, and it's like, I feel like it's divine also to not compare. So when you see that, you know, maybe your ex, her ex-husband right. is having all this success and then, and then she dove and I mean, I guess she was already there where she felt grateful for the customers she did have. And that's it. It's gratitude because yeah. gratitude opens you 
for more, but she was completely satisfied because she felt that those people had found um, their teacher and they had, and that's the beautiful thing, Mm. you know, is that there are people who were born for you to be their teacher for their lives to shift from your podcast, from Mm. your book, from your massage, from the cookies that you bake them and your gluten-free bakery line that you have on you know on the internet from your um singing from your dance concert that they came to from your another two people who were um with me this last weekend the corn brothers and they do this thing called your big voice they Mm. they have freed so many people from contraction by teaching them how to use their voice you know i heard them on yeah the global oneness summit Mm -hmm. oh yeah they're they're fabulous and the thing about it is is that there were people who were born um for you to transform their lives and what you have to do is if you have an idea get off your butt and start doing it because those people are waiting patiently for you you know one of the things that always drives me nuts is that people are like um oh me little old me I'm the one that's supposed to change the world like yeah because the world is not in exceptionally good shape right now (laughs) get on it (laughs) Yeah. And, and, um, and there are people, if you were given the blessing of that idea, it's because there are people who are waiting for their lives to be changed by you. So you have to start moving towards that dream. Will there be obstacles? Yes, of course, but learn from the obstacle. But if you're here, if you're in Chicago and you need to get to New York and you get, you're going through Pennsylvania and there's a roadblock, you don't say, Oh, New York doesn't exist. I'm going back home. No, you figure a way around the roadblock so that you can get your destination. So if your dream is to touch people's lives through whatever your skill is through your cello playing, through your body work, through your, you know, if you run into uh, a, a roadblock, it's not that your dream isn't waiting for you. Your dream wants you as much as you want it. You're given that dream by the creator. The creator needs you to do that, to make the world work. It's only when all the pieces of the puzzle fit together, and that's your piece of the puzzle. So don't give up at the at the uh, sign of the first obstacle or the second or even the third, you know, I, um, I love that the story of Florence Chadwick, she was the first woman to uh, swim the English channel and in, in both directions. And she was also the first um, woman to, to swim the, what's that channel between um, uh, Los Angeles, no, 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 San Diego. I can't even remember. There's some I, very I'm, famous story that I don't know. Uh, it. Yeah. It took okay. her like and it was freezing cold and 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 you know when there were sharks and they had to drive away the sharks but she was the Catalina Catalina channel and she was determined to swim that Catalina channel and um but there was fog the day that she was this was 1952 there there Uh was fog and so she couldn't see the coast it was just covered in fog so she couldn't see her goal so with less than a half a mile to the um california coast she gave up and she said it wasn't the cold it wasn't the sharks it wasn't the bone chilling cold of the water or her fatigue it was that she couldn't see the coast and even though they're saying you're close you're close and but she said then she did it again and it was the same bone chilling cold and the same 
sharks being having to be driven away but this uh -huh. time she swam with her belief intact that in the same fog that on the other side of the fog was a fulfillment of her dream so when we get fog we just have to know that our dream is there and just go the extra mile and i think yeah and i think that um wasn't there just a movie about her that i don't know else. that's when amazing that would be an amazing movie. I think it was. Wow. Okay. I think about it just recently. I have to look it up. Yeah. It, I don't keep up with that. Jodie Foster was in it. And, mm. um, and I can't remember who was the star, but just oh. recently, I know your listeners are screaming at the screen right now. <laughs> right. The name of the movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nyad or something. Nyad, I think mm. was the person. Oh, I haven't that heard of that. Somebody else who swam mm. some other thing, but the same kind of, um, you know, just not giving up, you know, Winston Churchill's yeah. uh, six word secret of success. <laughs> Never, ever, ever, ever give up. <laughs> yes, I did remember that. Um, so what does yes to success mean? Like when you had that idea, what was the meaning in your heart? Well, seeing it like, well, you know, the funny thing about the title, yes to success that came about because I had a contest. <laughs> okay. Well, actually the name of my company was successful woman unlimited when I started it. And it was, I, I had in my write-up, it was saying, you know, saying yes to your own success, something, but it was, it was sponsored by Successful Woman Unlimited because I was being hired to speak for like women in business and women in banking and, um, you know, business professional women. And, you know, that was who I was being hired to, to speak um, by, but because my, my uh, company was called Successful Woman Unlimited. That was my idea. But then what happened was that I looked out at my audience one day and I realized it was half men. And I was really proud of them for coming to something called Successful Woman Unlimited. But then I thought maybe I'll Maybe they're it. coming to meet successful women. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was it. <laughs> I was thinking of deadbeat women who aren't successful. Go to one of those seminars now. That's no, so they probably did yeah, want to have that success too for themselves. No, but I love that. That's hysterical. I'm going to have to share that one. But okay. in the meantime, they had, um, uh, I had, uh, I decided I was not going to put that barrier between me, me and the men uh -huh. who might want to come to my presentation or my, my seminar. So I had a contest and somebody came up with um, yes to success. And then we had a vote and that was how that came about. But it was really, it's, it's kind of a 1980s kind of a thing because it seems like rah, rah, say yes mm -hmm. to success. But the truth is the first step for anything in life is to say yes. That's really the first step. Okay, admit you want success in life. You know, people are like, oh, I don't need success. <laughs> I'm happy the way I am. Yes, you do. Because you know what? Success is happiness. Success is fulfillment. Success is beautiful relationships. Successful relationships. Successful mm -hmm. health. Be successful in your health. Just say, yes, I do want success in all of those areas. Yes to myself. Yes to self-love. Yes to enlightenment. Yes, yes, the beginning. 
So yes to true success and true success is success on the inside, success on the outside, success in having everything that your heart desires. The first step is saying yes. Mm, That's beautiful. Are there any other energetic principles that you'd like to share about what you teach? You know, um, you know, when I, something that we didn't mention, but I will mention it, my seminar became very, very successful all over the world. And my yeah. core teaching was that in order to live true success, you have to be true to yourself, to follow the impulses of truth that speak to you from your heart. When you're not listening to your truth, just course correct. And I promise you, even if it looks like you'll have more success, if you do something that is not in alignment with your highest truth, uh-huh. it's you just live in alignment with your highest truth and let the creator take care of bringing you the success. So, but I, with all the assuredness of an evangelical preacher had told the world that the basis of true success was to listen to your inner voice and that we offer ignore. I, I, I taught that even if the impulses of your heart like I say, appear to be leading you in the opposite direction. If you want true happiness and real success, trust those impulses. And on a fateful day in 1988, July Mm. 5th to be be exact. Oh, wow. I like those uh, numbers. My career came to a screeching halt at the height of my success. I was about to have the old, my own daytime TV talk show. My Yes to Success book was in the hands of a couple different New York publishers. And at that moment, my career came to a screeching halt because when the midwives handed me my baby girl, I realized that not only did I not want to leave her to go traveling around the world and promoting my book, I didn't want to leave her to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So I made the decision to become a full-time stay-at-home mom. And there I remained for 20 years. Her her uh, brother was born three years later. And I'll tell you, when I made that decision, there were people who were not happy with me. My um, my uh, promoter in uh, Southeast Asia, Chiang, he's still a good friend, um, yeah. he said, hey, I heard you were the baby. Let's get the tour on the books. I said, Chiang, you're going to have to call me back in 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the brother was born. I mean, I had people waiting for me to push that baby out and get back to work. Oh my gosh. So when I said to my own surprise, I have a new passion. My colleagues thought I had gone out of my mind. And actually that's exactly right. It's precisely what happened. I had gone completely out of my mind and right into my heart because when you follow your heart, that's where your intuition speaks to you. Your heart Mm -hmm. will never lead you astray. And it takes courage to follow your heart, but it's the only path to success. I mean, have you, if, if you ever had a feeling about something, your heart says, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this, and you override it and you do it anyway, and it's a disaster ever happened to you? Yes. <laughs> or have you ever had the feeling, I should do this, and you didn't, and you're still kicking yourself? <laughs> You know, in all the years I've been teaching, I've had so many people say the same thing. Their heart said yes, but they didn't follow it and they're still kicking themselves. But I've never had one person say, I listened to my heart and darn, I regret it. No, to be truly successful, I recommend you listen to the promptings of your heart. That's God speaking to you. 
Mm, that's so beautiful. So did you ever have any desire to work part-time or anything? Um, well, I did things. I mean, I, I didn't like stay at home and churn my own butter, you know, and <laughs> sell my kids clothes. <laughs> I can't even sew on a button. I was very active in their lives. You know, I was the yeah. real mom, the holiday mom and the sportsman. Yeah. I also, at the time, I've been I, there. Right. I also started a home-based business where I help people get toxic products out of their homes because I was fanatic about not having Tide and Bold and Bleach and Bounce and Downy and Foranine and Fantastic around babies with yes. their developing nervous system. And then we wash their clothes and Tide and they're breathing in toxins 24-7 or toxic diapers, you know, like whatever they're called, Huggies and this and that, just filled with horrible chemicals that are going into their system. Yes. So yeah, I had a home, home-based business. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It, because I was at, on a crusade to get toxins out of it. And I still am. And also for our little pets and, and for ourselves, because a lot of the things that adults suffer from, including depression, have been linked to toxic products when you mm. spray, you know. Oh, that's fascinating. That. Oh yeah. Well, we'll do that on another. Um, <laughs> okay. But that's oh. the other thing I, um, you know, I teach this course called Ageless. And uh, yes, yeah. I've taken it. It's amazing. And, and there is that one um, module about uh, toxins in the home. And mm -hmm. I mean, I know I talk a lot about uh, bovine growth hormones and milk, and I talk about um, organic versus non-organic. And I talk about genetically modified organisms, which nobody should ever eat. Look for GMO free um, on every package and definitely not to your kids. I mean, people give the baby formula that's genetically modified. It's a big experiment. Nobody knows the long-term effect of giving genetically modified organisms to infants or to anybody for that matter. Mm -hmm. They were just introduced a dozen years ago. There is no long, there can't be any long-term study. So why are you letting your child be a guinea pig? Or recombining bovine growth hormones, all that. I mean, it's all, okay, another, another. <laughs> <story>. <laughs> no, but I feel your passion for that. And how did you meet Dr. Ronnie Newman to do that oh, program together? Went, yeah, we went to Washington University in St. Louis together. She's the person I teach ageless with. She, I went on, so I was a meditation teacher. I went to Washington University in St. Louis uh, after teacher training, 1972. And so I was the only meditation teacher on campus and Ronnie was a new meditator. So, and we just like hit it off. And then when I left WashU, went to Maharishi International University, she went off and became a TM teacher, a transcendental meditation oh. also. And then when she was a TM teacher, then she went to Harvard to graduate school at Harvard. And she, her team was the, um, uh, the team that did the research on how meditation turns back the hands of time that was on the cover of Newsweek in 1990. That was her team's research. Wow. So, and then um, we realized that we do know how to slow, stop and reverse uh, aging of the brain and the body. And um, I mean, like I say, I'm going to be 72 in a couple of days. This is really my hair, believe it or not. This is really my face, but there are things that you can do 
um, lifestyle changes that really slow, stop and reverse, or even all the answers and the quotes that I give you. You know, a lot of people think that when you get in your 70s, you're going to lose your memory and lose your ability to recall things like the Catalina Channel. <laughs> but you don't. You If you do the right things for your brain health and your your body health. So that's how I met Ronnie. We were at Wash U together. And then what, how many years ago, we just decided we were going to start teaching together. We've made, remained friends ever since. That's amazing. And I highly recommend everyone taking your courses. I mean, I haven't taken Yes to Success yet. I need, oh, I need to do that one. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah. But I have taken Ageless live and it's amazing. And that's actually how I met Helena because you guys were talking about her and she lives in Boulder. And, and so I started healing with her and doing courses together. And then, and then she started healing my friends and it's, it's, yeah, it's just amazing chain of events. It's a small world after all. <laughs> yeah. Well, how can we be manifesting magnets to create our best life? Well, everything that I've said today is how to become a manifesting magnet. Um, you know, being in alignment with your truth, walking your talk. When an idea comes to you, it wants to be manifested by you. Don't do that negative self-talk thing. Like I'll never, I'll never, this is, but I'm going to tell you one more story because this is a story that people, um, remember more than anything else. I tell them about the power that they have to manifest. Mm, okay. Did you ever hear the story about what happened to me in the emergency room? Well, let's just share with everyone. Okay. I don't remember okay. it off the top of my head. Okay. So I never get sick. Never. Okay. Notice that. This is my declaration. I never get sick. And the truth yeah. is I don't. But I am not a magnet for, you know, people, oh, every day. You know, I have friends who are in their 70s. They're like, oh, well, just wait till your eyes go and then your knees go and then your memory goes. Like, if people are having those conversations, I say, you know, thanks for sharing, but I actually have some work I got to do. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I never get sick, but I had, as I said, I take group groups on tours to India and I had just gotten back from India and this was 2015. And, um, I was home and it was a Monday night and I felt like there was some kind of maybe cold flu thing coming on, sore throat. So I did what I always do, declare I never get sick. And I, you know, I had some electrolytes, mm -hmm. um, immune boosters, echinacea, golden seal, all the usual things, vitamin C. But I woke up the next day and, and it was really t getting a grip, you know, on my body. And by Wednesday, um, I was actually quite ill, but... I continued to do the things that I do. And then yeah. on Saturday morning, I was lying in bed. I was living by myself. I was lying in bed and I had the thought, I could die here and nobody would know. I mean, I actually felt like I was going to die. So uh -huh. I did what any intelligent person would do. I called my favorite healer. and I said, <laughs> I said, I think I'm dying. He said, okay, let me look in on you. And he said, okay. Um, I'll help you, but you have to promise that you'll do exactly what I tell you to do. And I said, anything. I mean, I couldn't even talk. I'm acting like I was talking. I okay. I was like, he said, call 911 immediately. So um, I could, I said, you, because he knew my address. So he called 911 for me. And in a few moments, I don't know how long it was. He said, you. <laughs> yeah, he said, 
<laughs> and the paramedics actually had to break in because I couldn't get up out of bed. And they asked me if I had a preference for a hospital. By the way, my blood pressure was 52 over 28, which is, as they said, incompatible with life. And um, it turns, anyway, um, I said I wanted to go to Evanston Hospital, and then they realized I wouldn't be alive for the 11-minute ride. So they took me to a little hospital around the corner of St. Francis. And um, I go into the emergency room and they just hook me up with every tube, everything imaginable. It turned out that I had not one, but I had an advanced sepsis, but I did not just have, and you know, about 50% of people die from sepsis, but I not only had one um, deadly bacteria in my blood, but two. I had picked them up and they were incompatible with my body. So I'm lying there and my friend, my healer, um, uh, had called my former husband, still my best friend. He came over to the hospital and walks in the emergency room and it didn't like, look like I was going to make it. And I started leaving. I started going oh. to the other side and I noticed that when I, my eyes were, were open, I could see everybody rushing around trying to save my life. And when my eyes were closed, I could still see everybody rushing around trying to save my life. However, I also saw that, you know, when people say there are no mistakes in the universe, mm -hmm. I saw there were no mistakes in the universe. I saw that everything was guided by a divine light. I saw every movement of the doctor's hands, every movement of the mm -hmm. nurse's hands. I saw one of the, the nurses was trying to hook an IV bag on a hook and she dropped it on the gurney and everybody shot her like these dagger glances, like you clumsy thing. But I saw that when she put her head down to pick up the bag, another nurse saw something on a monitor and she ran to the other side of the room and because her head had been blocking the monitor and she uh, adjusted it and it saved my life. And... Um, <clears throat> So anyway, but then I saw something that I think will really make a difference to everybody listening right now. And that is, you know, we say our word is our wand. That is uh, Catherine Ponder's book, Your Word is Your Wand. And um, we say, even in the Bible, it says, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be added unto you. It doesn't say thou shalt decree a thing and so it might be added on to you. It says, thou shalt decree a thing and it should be added on to you. Your word will be made flesh. Well, I saw, first of all, I saw people's words and their thoughts mm. manifesting. And I saw my former husband, my wonderful friend, Fred, he was sitting there with tears streaming down his cheeks because I was, it didn't look good. And I saw a nurse go over to him put her hand on his shoulder and say, don't worry, she's going to be fine. And with those words, I saw the words come out of her mouth, accompanied by the sparkly pink light. It was like my little pony, you know, like, doo -doo. Oh. it was like the, and the words went into my body and gave me my strength back. I started mm -hmm. coming back into life back into my body she's going to be fine and I felt strength like coursing through my veins wow and the doctor came in looked Magic. at the monitors and said get that blood pressure up because we're going to lose her and when he said that I saw the words come out of his mouth company accompanied by this like brown gray gunk it even had a smell it smelled like a swamp wow and his words we're going to lose her, went out of his mouth 
and into my body and took all of my strength away. And at that moment, I made a little deal with God. I said, God, let me live because people need to know the power of their words. I'd been teaching it now. I'd already been teaching it for 30 years. But I said, now I have evidence. Thank you, God, for this experience. Please let me live. And I will teach this to everyone I can on your behalf. And um, and then I made one other little promise to God. And I said, and I promise I will never say anything that I don't want to happen about anyone. Because I saw that the nurse's words affected me. The doctor's words affected me. What was I doing up until that point? I'd say things like about my daughter. Oh, you know, she's so this and she's so that. Or my son, oh, he's so you know, forgetful, Mm -hmm. or he's this, or he's so that, that isn't what he is, or he's irresponsible. He's not. So I could say those things because they're just examples. Mm -hmm. I did say some things about my kids. And then I realized that when I said them, it went into them and it made them that way. Mm. Just like the, the nurse said, she's going to be fine. I would say about my daughter, she's going to be X, Y, Z. The good news is I lived. (laughs) You're here to share that incredible story. Wow. That's really magical. No, I haven't heard that. Well, it's been such a pleasure reconnecting after the Global Oneness Summit and hearing about your incredible stories and your journey to success. And I'll put your website and anything you would like to promote. I know you have some things coming up. So thanks for being on my show today, Deborah. And thank you. You know, remember when you interviewed us, we all loved you. And uh, we did. You were, I know there are a lot of different interviewers for Global Oneness, but we said, wasn't she wonderful? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm honored. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.